Welcome to the second episode of the Random Redux Review Podcast. Here's your hosts, Rudy Fishman. Two men guide him to his casket. The center seat eyes move past it and watch the screen above. Why is he singing? It's making me so uncomfortable. We're two folks fall into love and they'll be in the be in the be in Listen to you say. Seriously, dude. But I just started getting my voice back. I gotta get it in shape for the rock opera. It's important. Just let me do my thing. Ugh. Okay. Go ahead. Finish your little song. And big finish here. You ready for it? Yes. Just go and do it already. (laughs) That was it? Dude, that's the greatest in musical history. But I don't actually remember hearing it on the original recording. It's buried in the mix. Great. You done now? What? Shudder to think, if you don't know the movies. Great song from a great EP. Leave released 1989, maybe 88. I don't know, maybe 90. I don't know, somewhere around there. Try 1991, genius. Really? Could have sworn I heard it earlier than that. Let's see. Back. Oh, yeah, that would have been 91. How about that? Yeah, how about that? Can we get started now? Oh my god. What is it now? Oh, that's just the phone lines. Somebody's calling in. We have a calling number? Yeah. Producer Bobby Z, can you pass him in? Hello. You're live with the Random Redux Review Podcast. Hey, guys. How come you got the party started without me? This guy. Nobody sent me an invitation. I figured if you guys are going to be repeating that multiple voice gag thing, and I figured I might as well uh, make a return. Hey, are we ever going to cut the lame attempts at comedy and just get into the substance of the episode? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. You can't cancel the cringe. Don't you know that when it comes down to it, we are all nothing more than embarrassments? Especially when it comes to comedy and tragedy. Think of it as a grotesque form of what the 16th century Italians dubbed Commedia dell'arte. Or perhaps closer to what ancient Greeks called Tragicomedia. I mean, really, don't all the cool cats and kitties out there wear a mask of sorts every day to get through the angst? 
Oh yeah, and overall, Valsmerits of it all? Wow, that was way more educated and philosophical than I ever expected from you. Hey man, just like in the Comedia times, we are all wearing both beautiful and repulsive masks that are an exaggeration of the true spirit within. And while we're talking spirits, have you heard the one about the two skeleton ghosts having sex and getting it on and whatnot? And there it is. They were boating all night long. Well, all right. Woo! So lay it on me, brothers. What is on the agenda this week? What do we talk about? Well, it's a really interesting topic. I think, anyway. We'll see um, what all the listeners think. About a year ago, I spoke with a woman named Leanna House. She is the co-host of a podcast called Thanks Cancer. And we kind of put the cancer world and everybody else on blast. So hopefully we don't piss anybody off with this one, but we'll see. Well, all right. Sounds like fun. Dude, did you even listen to what he just said? So this is kind of like a greatest hits episode, then. Mm, no, not at all. Uh, I mean, I did make a video for this about a year ago that people can find on the website called Do Even Cancer Bro, um, but it's definitely different. Mm, I see. It's, uh, if you want, I guess you could think of it more as a remix, maybe? Uh, all right, it's time to bring back the dingback. What does that even mean? Don't worry about it, nerds. Just act like you know. Okay, so that other AI-generated voice just quit out of embarrassment. We hope to get her back to at least finish the episode. Maybe we'll cool it on the widow sketches for a while. Anyway, it's time to actually dive deep into the world of the suffering Olympics. We think it applies to way more than just cancer. Hopefully you get something from it. So what I wanted to talk to you about first and primarily was the idea of cancer gatekeeping. I first heard of it as sort of cancer envy. I kind of like cancer gatekeeping more just because it makes it feel more spiteful. Hold up, guys. I'm actually kind of already bored by this. Didn't think that would happen, but I'm going to spare you some of that. I'll just, I'll give you the, the cliff notes on, on what, what I'm getting at here. First of all, let me take care of one thing. Okay, just stripped away all the effects. You have the real me, so to speak. Uh, just want to make this really plain and simple. The, uh, the truth of the matter is, is I think when I set out to do this podcast, it was largely motivated by the fact that, you know, I have cancer and I don't want to talk about it all the time, but I do. You kind of can't help but talk about it all the time. And the same time too, I kind of really dislike a lot of cancer patients, but I also love them uh, more just because they're the only ones who really understand. Um, they're the people that have been there for me when things are really, really rough. And <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Just 
one thing you'll learn is that all cancer pokes we're all liars we tell everybody we're doing fine but we're not I try to put on a facade of being this weird quirky guy but really I'm a raw bundle of nerves a lot of the time and I think also a lot of cancer patients are really angry and I think that's kind of the underlying message of this particular episode I'm just trying to figure out how to talk to people who don't have cancer um, to understand it better and make it so they actually care so they actually to put it bluntly give a fuck because I think you can talk about all the awareness and where people know about cancer especially certain cancers like breast cancer testicular cancer prostate cancer and those are all terrible but there's a lot of fucking cancers out there I mean well over 120 and uh, they all need help and every one of them is different none of them is better or worse than another but they all suck in their own way just like anything you're going through in life whether it's unemployment or being broke or what have you a really nasty breakup i mean it all sucks in its own way you know they say life is suffering but that doesn't mean we can't find joy within that and we can't do anything to change that and so hopefully this episode will teach you a little bit more about cancer from the cancer patient's perspective and make you care. It's, we're not sob stories. We're not uplifting motivational stories. We're humans. And I think that's another thing I really wanted to share with this podcast is that it doesn't matter what your situation is in life. You're still you. And don't forget that. Don't get lost in your situation. And I don't want to pretend like we don't have we we don't all have our own shit to deal with because we certainly do. I just want people to acknowledge what everybody's going through and just make life a little bit better. I know this is very scattered, but I'm a very scattered kind of guy. Um, thus, the random in the name of the podcast. Just do what you can to be a better human. To be nice to others, to help the world, leave it a little bit better than when you found it. And for fuck's sake, don't be boring. You only have one life. Make it interesting. So, with that said, here we go. Me and my talk with Leanna House. She's somebody who's become really a good friend of mine in many ways. She gets it. So, um... Off to the races. Cancer is the most boring thing ever. Like when people tell me their cancer story and like, I want to honor it and I want to hear like what they're saying and I want, you know, cause it's a part of like processing it and stuff, but like, okay, so you found out you had cancer and it was shitty and then you got treatment and that was shitty. And now you might be okay, but maybe not. Like we'll see. And like, that is everyone's cancer story. I started listening to a lot of cancer podcasts and watching stuff on YouTube. And like one thing I became highly irritated with most of them. I mean, it seems like so many of these cancer podcasts and YouTube series are just like, they're really boring. 
I'm interested in the topic and I'm bored. So I can't imagine people who um, don't have the experience, how they react to them. I mean, I only force myself to listen to them because there's stuff I'm curious about because I'm in it and I know a lot of the details. Me and Mimi always say, like, if cancer is the most interesting thing about you, like, get off my boat. Like, I don't want to be friends with you because, like, I mean, get something else interesting. Like, pick up hobby or something. But, um... I say this as someone who has like two Twitter accounts related to cancer and a cancer podcast. So, And I'm kind of guilty of the same. Remember earlier when I said we're all liars. I mean, it doesn't really matter if it's cancer or something else. We all love to talk about um, the things we love to complain about as well. Not casting judgment, just pointing it out. Whenever Leanna and I uh, start talking about anything, it pretty much goes a long time, and we end up talking about a lot of things. Um, and one of the things is the idea of cancer gatekeeping, which can certainly be applied to all areas of life. I'm sure everybody's experienced it on some level. It's kind of a dumb thing to get into, um, and it gets used a lot uh, within the cancer community, any community, to make other people feel less than one. As I said before, everybody has their own shit, and it all kind of sucks in its own way, so cut that crap out. But I really just don't like it when cancer patients bring down other cancer patients with this kind of behavior. As it applies to cancer, you have a lot of people that are like, oh, you had cancer, but you didn't go through chemo. Is that really cancer? Or you had cancer, but you didn't have surgery. So, or you didn't have radiation. Um, So just setting these artificial gates along the path of cancer to like keep the filthy casuals out, the casual cancer patients out, like the logical fallacy of the one true Scotsman. Like, you're not a real um, part of this group unless you fulfill these completely arbitrary and completely made up and sometimes not even true requirements. Have you have you engaged in the suffering auction? I did early on in my diagnosis with somebody and then they were like, yeah, but I might die in the next six months and like I have seizures like every other week and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I don't have it that bad. Um, I just kind of like, you know, just because somebody seems fine and normal, like, you know, I don't know, it's, like you said last time we spoke, like online, ever it's just a highlight reel and everybody's highlight reel can look great. And I assume because his highlight reel looked great as I didn't know all this other like horrible crap that was happening to him on a, on a very regular basis. So I kind of learned my lesson early, but you know, I have my bad days too. I, in my opinion, as soon as you walk onto the auction floor, you have already lost because you're in the suffering. If I'm going to be the worst at something horrible, I might as well be the best at it when the, in this case, being the best is having the worst situation. So I kind of think that sort of the motivation is like, oh, at least, um, you know, I have permission to really sort of drown in my sorrows. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it is a funny thing. And it's something that everyone does at like one stage or another. 
And it's just such a funny quirk of our biology or psychology or something because we continue to do this and like wrap our identities up in this suffering when I don't know, like the suffering Olympics is not healthy. And if anyone is like, listen in the sound of my voice can hear and is in participating in the suffering Olympics, like get out, get out as soon as you can, because there are way better, literally anything else, a sharp stick in the eye is better than the suffering Olympics. Like get out. I saw this meme a long, long time ago, but it really stuck with me. The idea that I think a lot of people who are dealing with cancer and other illnesses, they tend less to sort of play up their symptoms and deficits. Instead, they tend to play them down um, just because they don't want the attention. They want to be left alone. And in general, we're not trying to outdo anyone. But when we say like, oh, I'm a little tired today or I have a little bit of pain in my fingertips or, you know, it's generally um, we're just saying cause it's that bad that we feel the need to say something. We're all in this together. I'm guilty of it where I certainly there's been times where like, I will kind of pile on and talk about all the horrible things that that happened to me and that I experienced sort of to, I mean, I guess not to necessarily make people feel bad. Well, partially to make them feel bad, but um, make them feel sorry for me, I guess, just as a form of attention. Do you think that there's anything to this sort of suffering Olympics in terms of like where people kind of like to say like, oh, I'm sorry, you don't have the real cancer. I have the real cancer because I have chronic pain and I gained 200 pounds and, uh, you know, it's like I have this fear of death. You, you don't have to worry about death, whatever. Okay, so I think that it's a totally valid form of processing is talking to people about, listen to this horrible thing that I went through. Uh, At the same time, I think a lot of people do get stuck in the, in the, suffering aspect of cancer and um, that can be physically because you're actually having to go um, to different doctor's appointments you're actually having to get multiple surgeries so you're physically stuck in the suffering Um, and sometimes it's mental because you can't it's like you're you're stuck in a rut and you have to get yourself out um, and that's that's not easy. The more I think about it, like the crazier it becomes to me. <laughs> the people you would like. I mean, I guess if you win, you get, I don't know, do you get a better cancer card? Okay, here's just a quick aside. Um, I'm calling out all of you motherfuckers out there who, when somebody who's dealing with a chronic illness or cancer or something like that, complains about something like say fatigue and you're like oh i get tired too or i forget things or sometimes i have bad balance stop that fucking shit right now because no it's not the same uh when i get tired i'm done i'm unplugged um i'm on a fair amount of adderall it's actually a dose higher than narcoleptic you usually get. And I still take naps during the day. So that's how tired I am. So no, you don't know what it's like to be tired like me. And I think that goes in many, many other areas. Um, yeah, you might forget something here and there, maybe a few times a week. But for a lot of cancer patients who are dealing with uh, 
they call chemo brain, uh, neuro fatigue, whatever you want to call it, it is many times a day. It's a completely different level. So I just needed to say that. So while we are, are gatekeeping, I'm gatekeeping all of you who don't know what it's like. And yes, this is a little in jest, but it's also kind of serious because it's super irritating. I know a lot of times it's said as, a, as sort of like a means of being supportive or trying to understand, but really that's not actually how it comes across to those who are in the proverbial shit. I want to be clear that like talking about your own pain is not necessarily um, participating in the suffering Olympics. And I do really appreciate when people talk about what they're going through in an open and honest way, because like I had no idea what to expect going in. Okay, one more sort of mini rant. This is just something that's it's been bothering me lately. It's kind of a recent thing. I've just been I, I'm sure it was existed before, but I just wasn't cognizant of it until recently. And that's um, people who maybe uh, you know share some information in social media or, or wherever that's just sort of talking about like very real practical facts. Like for me, like the uh, the, the prognosis for what I have is fifty to sixty months max. Now, me saying something like that does not necessarily mean I want to die. Or I'm very sad and upset about that. I've just come to become comfortable with that. And I guess I've just seen a lot of people who are just like, you got to think positive. And uh, I have a lot to say about toxic positivity and all that garbage. But anyway, um, life is not, um, you know, 140 characters. It's much more than that. Being positive is not just being happy and quashing negative thoughts and never saying anything. That's not helpful at all. It's much more than that. So if somebody's just sharing very real information, I understand why hearing about death makes you uncomfortable, but just realize we think about death way more than most people do. There's a lot to be said. A lot of people have a lot of ire over the phrase, well, you get hit by a bus tomorrow. Well, it's a little different for us because not many people have actually been given a prognosis of when they're allegedly or at least statistically supposed to die. It kind of changes your perspective. Anyway, so that's just something to consider for all you normies out there when you have a, a friend or a, another loved one who is diagnosed with something really, really crappy. And I promise not to talk so much about cancer in future episodes, but I had to kind of get this out. Also, when I say I'm not going to talk about cancer in future episodes, I am totally lying. Maybe not this much, but it's definitely going to come up. When people share their pain online and get support from other people who are going through it and um, are able to like communicate their real lived experience for the next generation of patients, like that is something that's super valuable. Anytime anyone is like, oh, I had it worse or like plays that game with me, like, I'm sorry, I lose all respect. Because like, why would you even want, like, I never want to engage in those kinds of conversations. But I don't think that a lot of people can control it because with cancer, you are an open wound. You're, you're hurting, you're raw. 
like you can just tell by talking to them. And I feel the same way about the suffering because the people who I see who have like suffered the most are not playing that game. They're just living their lives and and talking about their lived experience. Okay, so some of you listening to this might think that I'm in a very foul and angry mood. And to be honest, no, I'm not. Um, the reason why is, as this is posted, I have just recently passed up a major milestone. When I was originally diagnosed, I'd been given an expiration date, if you will. Basically, um, I was told, hey, do the best you can, but likely you're going to be dead by this such and such date. As it so happens, that date is right now. So um, I'm actually pretty happy about that. I'm happy that that particular oncologist was quite mistaken. And while we're speaking of dates, there's one last thing I really wanted to get to in, in this episode, and that is since we're creeping up on October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And you may think that a lot of breast cancer patients are excited to be seen and heard about that, but the truth is, no, they're not. They are actually have a lot of thoughts on that. And here we go. For those who aren't familiar with that, pink washing is the idea of sort of um, cutesifying uh, breast cancer, um, you know, save the tatas and, and things like that that kind of make it less scary. Specifically to advertise or to sell something. And obviously breast cancer is one of the cancers that is, you know, the most fo front and forward in the sort of public conversation, at least people being aware that it's a thing. You know, and they're, I think they're in general tend to be more prone to support that because they've heard, heard of breast cancer. Do you think that sort of um, marketing and cutesifying has helped sort of towards that end? Or do you think, as you mentioned before, like say the metastatic breast cancer folks and other people who have maybe darker and scarier stories, at what point do we need to kind of put on the kid gloves? to talk about cancer and, or should we not at all put on the kick gloves? Should we just, you know, let it all hang out and let people know just how awful it really is and all the different levels. If people knew how bad it was, like no one wants to talk about it anyway, even with all the cutesifying, like no one wants to talk about cancer. It's totally a conversation ender. Um, and like people don't know how to handle difficult things. So if we didn't cutesify it, and if there wasn't marketing of cancer, like no one would talk about cancer at all. I am very wary of any cancer advertising because so much of the money goes back into what they call awareness. And like, I don't think that we need awareness for cancer. Like at some level, it will get people into, um, you know, early detection. But on the other hand, like, you know, someone with breast cancer, everyone does one in eight women will get breast cancer. Your mom probably is going to get breast cancer. Sorry, guys. Do we need more awareness? Or do we need money going to research? And uh, yeah, I do think that stage four needs more because stage three cancer, breast cancer will not kill you. It will progress to stage four, for sure. And then it will kill you. So really, if we want to um, end this problem, and if I want to solve my own problems, it's as a stage three cancer patient, I don't want money put towards stage three. I want the money put towards the cancer that will kill us.
So I hate pink washing and I hate just the whole anything surrounding advertising with cancer. Like I don't, in my personal opinion, like there's no way to do that tastefully because any organization that is ad- that's spending money on advertising so that they make money. And that just feels so skeezy to me. Just because X brand has pink labels on their yogurt that month doesn't necessarily mean that anything's going towards actually funding uh, cancer research or, or towards a cure. It's a talking point and maybe you'll be more prone to buy that yogurt instead of that other brand yogurt because this one, they obviously must care about breast cancer. I do think that the walks provide a way for cancer patients to invite other people to like go through this process with them and all of that. And it doesn't, it doesn't like, I don't judge anyone else's coping mechanisms. Like I have no high horse. My high horse died of cancer. What we need is like systems that take care of people so that we don't have to have a GoFundMe so that people don't have to go online to like beg to live so that they can pay for these medical procedures. Like, what we need is a system that takes care of people, not these, you know, random little, you know, kind of sort of helping cancer organizations. Like, I just feel like the fundraising is so scattered and not not helpful. I don't know, and maybe maybe I want too much and I'm too idealistic, but I don't I don't think that if after how many years of, have we been doing walks and has Komen been raising money and we're still I'm I'm a little bit of a doomer because I've done way too much research into cancer, um, cancer and medicine and the progress that we've made. But, like, I still feel like we are in the same place that we've always been. Um, For someone who doesn't like pink washing, it sounds like a lot of these ideas that you're talking about are uh, what I would say are commie pinko ideas. (laughs) For sure. My dad calls me a pinko commie all the time. Uh, I consider myself a commie pinko or pinko commie, whatever, but same, same difference. But I don't know. I mean, yes, maybe pink is a color of empathy and caring about your community. We need to, as a society, decide how much people deserve. And I think people deserve to like get taken care of when they're sick. Like that doesn't seem to be a radical idea to me. Like we should, we should take care of people if they're sick. I don't know. That sounds awfully dangerous to me. Okay, so that's the episode for the most part. Um, hopefully I didn't scare you off from checking out future episodes. Like I said before, not every episode's going to be quite so cancer-heavy. Really excited about uh, the next episode. I'll be talking to a woman named Dr. Susan Rogers. You may not uh, recognize that name, but I guarantee you will re- you recognize some of her work. She was actually Prince's, yes, that Prince, her, his personal sound engineer in the 80s. Um, actually, she started working with him on the Purple Rain album. So hopefully listening to that will kind of inspire you and motivate you and make you think about how you 
live your life. Thanks for listening. New episodes of the R3 podcast most Sundays. See the episode description for notes and where to find more online.